Long History, The Second Voyage of Christopher Columbus Part 2, Rumours and Wanderers on Guadeloupe Hello long historians and how are you? I hope you're well. And we're on to part two now of Christopher Columbus's second voyage. In the previous episode, we were introduced to the first journey and then began the second journey on the 25th of September 1493. Don't forget that if you're interested in listening to the first journey in full, it's already been serialised here on Long History and will be available on your podcast provider. Or you can also find it on our website, longhistory.net. That's longhistory, all one word, .net. In the previous episode, Columbus and his crew reached the Caribbean at a slightly more southerly point than in their first journey, resulting in some of the first European sightings of Dominica, Marie Galante and other islands. Eventually they'd land on the island of Guadeloupe. Now the overall aim of this particular journey in the meantime is to reach the colony of 39 men who were left behind on the previous expedition on the north of Hispaniola Island. In this episode the crew learn more about Dominica and Guadalupe Islands which are called by their native names which are Seire in the case of Dominica and Turoqueira and Ayay which are the two names of the two islands that make up Guadalupe. Some of the men in this episode explore the interior of the island and are given up for dead. In the meantime, the rumours of those Caribs, those cannibalistic people, emphasise their violence and their vile habits. On Columbus's previous voyage to the Caribbean, he'd heard rumours that the people in this area were cannibals. As the previous episode ended, they had landed and begun exploring the houses of people who have fled from the area. Right at the end of the previous episode, the Spanish discovered some human bones in the house of one of the local people. They put two and two together and produce what they think is four. This is the second voyage of Christopher Columbus, part two. Rumours and wanderers on Guadeloupe. On seeing these, we suspected that we were among the Caribbean islands, whose inhabitants eat human flesh. For the Admiral, guided by the information respecting their situation which he had received from the Indians of the islands discovered in his former voyage, had directed his course with a view to their discovery, both because they were nearest to Spain and because this was the direct track for the island of Española, where he had left some of his people. Thither, by the goodness of God and the wise management of the Admiral, we came in as straight a track as if we had sailed by a well-known and frequented route. This island is very large, and on the side where we arrived it seemed to us to be 25 leagues in length. We sailed more than two leagues along the shore in search of a harbour. On the part towards which we moved appeared very high mountains, and on that which we left extensive plains. On the sea coast there were a few small villages, whose inhabitants fled as soon as they saw the sails. At length after proceeding two leagues, we found a port late in the evening. That night, the Admiral resolved that some of the men should land at break of day in order to confer with the natives and learn what sort of people they were. Although it was suspected, from the appearance of those who had fled at our approach, that they were naked, like those whom the Admiral had seen in his former voyage. That morning, certain captains started out. One of them arrived at the dinner hour, 
and brought away a boy of about 14 years of age as it afterwards appeared, who said that he was one of the prisoners taken by these people. The others divided themselves, and one party took a little boy whom a man was leading by the hand, but who left him and fled. This boy they sent on board immediately with some of our men. Others remained and took certain women, natives of the island, together with other women from among the captives who came of their own accord. One captain of this last company, not knowing that any intelligence of the people had been obtained, advanced farther into the island and lost himself with the six men who accompanied him. They could not find their way back until after four days when they lighted upon the seashore and following the line of coast returned to the fleet. We had already looked upon them as killed and eaten by the people that are called Caribbees, for we could not account for their long absence in any other way, since they had among them some pilots who, by their knowledge of the stars, could navigate either to or from Spain, so that we imagined that they could not lose themselves in so small a space. On this first day of our landing, several men and women came on the beach up to the water's edge, and gazed at the ships in astonishment at so novel a sight. And when a boat pushed on shore in order to speak with them, they cried out, Taino, Taino, which is as much as to say, good, good, and waited for the landing of the sailors, standing by the boat in such a manner that they might escape when they pleased. The result was that none of the men could be persuaded to join us, and only two were taken by force, who were secured and led away. More than twenty women of the captives were taken with their own consent, and other women, natives of the island, were surprised and carried off. Several of the boys who were captives came to us fleeing from the natives of the island who had taken them prisoners. We remained eight days in this port in consequence of the loss of the aforesaid captain, and went many times on shore, passing amongst the dwellings and villages which were on the coast we found a vast number of human bones and skulls hung up about the houses, like vessels intended for holding various things. There were very few men to be seen here, and the women informed us that this was in consequence of ten canoes having gone to make an attack upon other islands. These islanders appeared to us to be more civilised than those we had hitherto seen, for although all the Indians have houses of straw, yet... The houses of these people are constructed in a much superior fashion, or better stocked with provisions, and exhibit more evidences of industry, both on the part of the men and the women. They had a considerable quantity of cotton, both spun and prepared for spinning, and many cotton sheets, so well woven as to be no way inferior to those of our country. We inquired of the women who were prisoners in the island what people these islanders were. They replied that they were Caribbees. As soon as they learned that we abhorred such people on account of their evil practice of eating human flesh, they were much delighted. And after that, if they brought forward any woman or man of the Caribbees, they informed us, but secretly, that they were such, still evincing by their dread of their conquerors that they belonged to a vanquished nation, though they knew them all to be in our power. We were enabled to distinguish which of the women were Caribbees and which were not by the Caribbees wearing on each leg two bands of woven cotton, the one fastened round the knee and the other round the ankle. 
By this means they make the calves of their legs large, and the above-mentioned parts very small, which I imagine that they regard as a mark of elegance. By this peculiarity we distinguish them. The habits of these Caribbees are brutal. There are three islands. This is called Turaqueira. The other, which was the first that we saw, is called Seire. The third is called Ayai. All these are alike as if they were of one race, who do no injury to each other. But each and all of them wage war against the other neighbouring islands, and for the purpose of attacking them, make voyages of a 150 leagues at sea, with their numerous canoes, which are a small kind of craft with one mast. Their arms are arrows, in the place of iron weapons, and as they have no iron, some of them point their arrows with tortoise shell, and others make their arrowheads of fish spines, which are naturally barbed like coarse saws. These prove dangerous weapons to a naked people like the Indians, and may cause death or severe injury, but to men of our nation are not very formidable. In their attacks upon the neighbouring islands, these people capture as many of the women as they can, especially those who are young and beautiful, and keep them for servants and to have as concubines. And so great a number do they carry off, that in fifty houses no men were to be seen, and out of the number of the captives, more than twenty were young girls. These women also say that the Caribbees use them with such cruelty as would scarcely be believed, and that they eat the children which they bear to them, and only bring up those which they have by their native wives. Such of their male enemies as they can take alive, they bring to their houses to slaughter them, and those who are killed, they devour at once. They say that man's flesh is so good that there is nothing like it in the world. And this is pretty evident, for of the bones which we found in their houses, they had gnawed everything that could be gnawed, so that nothing remained of them but what from his great hardness could not be eaten. In one of the houses we found the neck of a man cooking in a pot. When they take any boys prisoners, they cut off their member and use of them as servants until they grow up to manhood, and then, when they wish to make a feast, they kill and eat them. For they say that the flesh of boys and women is not good to eat. Three of these boys came fleeing to us thus mutilated. At the end of four days arrived a captain who had lost himself with his companions, of whose return we had by this time given up all hope, for other parties had been twice sent out to seek him, one of which came back on the same day that he rejoined us, without having gained any information respecting the wanderers. We rejoiced at their arrival, regarding it as a new accession to our numbers. The captain and the men who accompanied him brought back some women and boys, ten in number. Neither this party nor those who went out to seek them had seen any of the men of the island, which must have arisen either from their having fled or possibly from there being but very few men in that locality. For, as the women informed us, ten canoes had gone away to make an attack upon the neighbouring islands. The wanderers had returned from the mountains in such an emaciated condition that it was distressing to see them. When we asked them how it was that they lost themselves, they said that the trees were so thick and close that they could not see the sky. 
Some of them who were mariners had climbed the trees to get a sight of the stars, but could never see them. And if they had not found their way to the sea coast, it would have been impossible to have returned to the fleet. We left this island eight days after our arrival. The next day at noon we saw another island not very large, at about twelve leagues distance from the one we were leaving. The greater part of the first day of our departure, we were kept close in to the coast of this island by a calm. But, as the Indian women whom we brought with us said that it was not inhabited but had been dispeopled by the Caribbees, we made no stay in it. The lost men, called the wanderers in this text, eventually return. It's interesting that the assumption is that they will have been captured and eaten by the local people, yet this proves not to be the case. This in itself is perhaps a sign that caution should be taken with all of the rumours of violence and cannibalism in this episode. The Spanish are, perhaps, on a high alert for any dangers, and the local people, perhaps, are happy to fuel their dislike of their enemies. In this situation of high alert, the Spanish seem to be willing to believe the worst possible things about these people, the Caribs. Unfortunately, we have no other points of view here. Particularly, we have no point of view of the Caribs themselves. The unpopulated island mentioned at the end of this episode, in the meantime, is today's Montserrat. And in the next episode, this voyage will continue, heading towards Hispaniola and that population of 39 Spanish men, taking in Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands along the way. So thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Long History. I hope you've enjoyed it and please do give it a like if you can and subscribe and share the episode if that's possible. Above all, thank you for listening however, this was The Second Voyage of Christopher Columbus, Part 2. Rumours and Wanderers on Guadalupe. Goodbye.